Today on episode number 621 of the School of Podcasting, are you thinking of doing a daily show? I'm talking with James Cridlin from podnews.net, who does a phenomenal podcast slash newsletter, and we hear about what tools he's using and how he prepared to launch the daily show. Also, if you can get insights from email that you can't get from a download, maybe we should start using email a little more. I've got some tips on how to start your list. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning, and I'll have a new title here in a second, personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you massage your message. I help you tackle that technology. I help you face your fears, flatten the learning curve, and get you on the road to podcasting. Not just podcasting, but podcasting in the right direction. The website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and that will save on either a monthly subscription, a yearly subscription, or if you just want to buy classes a la carte, it'll work on that as well. And I like to start off my show with what I call a because of my podcast story. This is where because of my podcast blank and blank is something that, well, wouldn't have happened except, well, you have a podcast. If you have one, I would love to hear it. Go out to school slash contact. And because of my podcast, I got a phone call from my buddy, Gary Leland, who let me know that on July 24th, I am going to be inducted into the Podcasters Hall of Fame. And there's a big chunk of my brain that still doesn't quite comprehend that. I am honored. I am humbled. And I now have the joy of figuring out how to condense 13 years of podcasting into, what, a five-minute, seven-minute speech, maybe something like that. That's going to be interesting. But I also, uh, I, I just want to thank you. Because you are the reason I do this. When I get your emails that you send, when I get the because of my podcast stories, when I get the last five and fives, when I get any kind of feedback from you, that is just more gas in my tank. And speaking of gas in your tank, after Gary called me, I went down the street and I, I go through a drive through And of course, uh, I hear the, uh, you know, and I go to place my order, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this happens. And I'm like, um, um, I'll have a chicken sandwich, hold the mayo, and a glass of water, please. So it was kind of different. And uh, then my brother called me. I answered the phone. He's like, hey, brother, what's up? And I went to talk. And instead, I hear. And I'm, I'm like, what's going on? I hope this. I don't know. I know Danny Pena is going to send me instructions on the secret Hall of Fame podcaster handshake that I have to get down before July 24th. There's a lot of pressure on that. So, uh, yeah, because of my podcast I'm going into the Podcasters Hall of Fame. And I said it way back in 2005. And I said it uh, right now. And that is, I think podcasting is going to change the world. Before we get to my interview with James Cridlin from podnews.net, I uh, had a conversation with uh, Mark Johansson from podcastgeargroup.org. If you love gear, that is a uh, open Facebook group. Again, check it out, podcastgeargroup.org. And he said, Dave, I heard you mention your affiliate program for the School of Podcasting. Is that something new? And the answer is no, it's not new. SOP 184, today we're talking about how I will sponsor your podcast. And so as a person who podcasts, you might have other people going, hey, how do I start a podcast? Well, you could just say, hey, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash me, and we can make your name there. I assign an affiliate link to that. You get to go in and get your own link, and there's graphics to use and things like that. And if somebody signs up, you earn a commission, 20%, and that 20% is for every month, or if it's yearly, it's great, but every month they stay subscribed, 
And uh, again, for more information, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash affiliates. If you've ever thought of starting a podcast and thought, ah, there's already another podcast on this. Well, that's one of the reasons I'm bringing on James Cridlin from podnews.net. He's a really nice guy. You'll hear me introduce him in just a second. But this is a guy that brought something different. He'll explain what it is here in just a second. And it really just came in. and Everybody's like, whoa. So here again, I point this out. If you're thinking, eh, who's going to listen to me? Eh, there's already a podcast about that. Eh, you might come in and people go, whoa. So joining me all the way across the pond from Australia, James is a radio futurologist. I had to practice to say that. He's yeah. a, he's also a writer, a consultant, a public speaker on the future of radio. He's a managing editor of podnews.net, a daily a daily podcast newsletter. You also, because in your spare time, you run media.info, which is a media information website, in addition to being a director of the Canadian local radio broadcaster, which is Vista Radio. Other fun things as I went, your bio is really long. Uh, you're one of the organizers of, uh, that's all right. It's good. That's why you're here. <laughs> One of the organizers of uh, Next Radio, that's a UK radio ideas conference, which is in September. And you've also served as a judge uh, for a number of places. But the one that I was like, hey, I know that one is the Webby Awards, which is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, the Webby Awards. Yeah, so, I won two of those. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, James, thanks for coming on the show. It's a great pleasure, Dave. It's great to be here. The one reason I brought you on here is there have been other websites that have uh, you know, featured news on podcasting and things of that nature. Many of them are my friends and you appeared out of what appeared to be nowhere, at least from my chair and just stomped on everybody. And we're like, wow, how is this guy? You just, nothing gets by you and you get all sorts of really cool news. So what's your, what's your trick? Do you have just like a Feedly (laughs) account with 8 million feeds in it or what's, how do you? Well, that's certainly one of the ways. That's (laughs) certainly one of the ways. Yeah. So, I mean, so I've been running, podnews.net for the last, um, gosh, uh, since uh, the end of May uh, of last year. And one of the reasons that I started doing it was really that I saw a few podcast news uh, titles. But to me, a a lot of that was focused on the US. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with the US. It's a lovely place. But there is podcasting going on elsewhere, you know, as well. And certainly, you know, I've been involved in podcasting uh, in the UK. You can tell that I'm a Brit, not not Nozzy. But in the UK, I was involved back in 2005, you know, before podcasting even got into, into iTunes. I was helping the radio station that I was working for there do uh, podcasting. I've been involved with uh, a lot of different uh, stations, you know, in the meantime, you know, after that. And I felt that there was a story to be told from across the world, and not just the US, but also having a look at podcasting in Canada, in the UK, in uh, here in Australia and various other places. You know, so I felt very strongly that, you know, there was something there that was a global thing about podcasting and something which I could, which I felt that I could do every single day rather than bringing something out every week because, you know, things change quite fast in this industry. So, uh, and, you know, I've been running a a newsletter around radio for uh, a long, long time. I've been running one uh, for the last uh, seven or eight years. So I thought, well, why not do one on podcasting? And it's become bigger and bigger, uh, which is a lovely thing. And it's been a really interesting uh, journey uh, so far. What did you do to kind of promote it? Because it just seemed like all of a sudden you were just there. And I'm not sure. I was trying to think about that today. Like, how did I discover him? It was just like, I think somebody must have linked to you or something like that. Did you do any kind of special, you know, launch? Not really. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to do when I um, when I started doing it was, firstly, I wanted to work out whether or not I could actually do it. You know, I do a lot of different jobs, a lot of different roles. I work for um, some interesting uh, organizations across the world. And quite often I'm uh, spending my time in airplanes and and things like that. And I thought, you know, am I going to be able to put something together, which is a daily podcast newsletter? Uh, And it's a podcast, by the way, as well. Uh, Am I going to be able to do that? Am I going to be able to spend the time? And what can I do to make sure that I can always always fit the thing in because if there's one thing I've learned whether it's through my radio career or through my uh, online career is that consistency always wins out 
uh, and so really, you know, I, I just started experimenting. I started with a very much um, a, a minimum product to see what I could do. And so, you know, one of the things that I learned very, you know, very early on is, you know, I, um, the newsletter that I, uh, I do around radio um, goes to about three and a half thousand people. Um, so I thought, well, that's a good start. Um, let's um, push it a bit in there. Let's push it a bit on uh, some of the websites that, that I run. But really, you know, I'm a big believer in making sure that, uh, you know, the, the consistency is right and that people start talking about it. And, you know, and uh, hopefully that's been, you know, a success so far. Yeah. The um, Did you do a bunch of like test shows to figure out exactly how much time it was going to take to create the podcast? Yeah, I mean, quite a lot of it. So the podcast actually came about four or five months after I started doing the newsletter. So um, the newsletter was a lot of testing, a lot of working out what's the best time. So it actually goes out at nine o'clock in the evening here in Australia, which is a perfect time, actually, because what that allows me to do is it allows me to put it together during the day because, uh, hooray, the Americans are asleep during my day. Uh, so therefore, the majority of podcasting news, of course, comes out of the US. Uh, and so therefore, that's, that's really helpful. But also it was, okay, how can I um, be able to publish this from wherever I am? Um, how can I do it from whatever machine I happen to be using? You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm at home in the office, then I can use a fancy MacBook and everything else. If I'm if I'm traveling, maybe I'm working in a, you know, in a coffee shop or whatever, um, then can I do it on the cheapy Chromebook that I have? You know, what can I actually do and how can I make this as quick and as simple to actually put together as I possibly could? And so quite a lot of it was just basically doing that, doing the technology on the back end to make sure that I could actually publish a way um, that it would actually work, you know, work well. And of course, you know, as you, as you so rightly say, actually get the information in the first place, which is um, important too. How many feed sources do you go through? Because I just... Yeah, a I, fair I, amount, <laughs> it turns out. So um, one, of the secret, uh, one of the secret bits of, of uh, sources to actually use, uh, to actually be members of, uh, you know, Facebook communities, um, you know, Reddit, uh, all of those sorts of, of uh, things. There are lots of... Um, people who share some really interesting stories and really interesting news in there. And there are lots of people who post about things that they're working on, which you can make into a story as well. So that was one of the first things that I, that I started doing. I don't use um, uh, Feedly, but I use a similar system called InnoReader. InnoReader.com is a really good RSS reader that firstly, of course, I pull in an awful lot of feeds in there you know, and use that. But also what it has is it has some really good searching uh, tools in there as well. Hmm. So you can actually do uh, searches across every single RSS feed in the world for certain things that you're looking for. Um, and it's not as, as easy and as quick as typing in podcast and then, hey, presto, you get all the podcast <laughs> news. You know, there's uh, a little bit more to it, you know, than that. But um, that has been really useful. How do you determine what stories make it and which ones don't? I, th I think the biggest problem for me has been not allowing myself to have an opinion. Um, that's been the first thing. I'm very used to saying, well, this is a piece of, uh, of news and this is, and this is, uh, you, you know, and this is crap because, you know, they, they, they're saying this, but actually the, the truth is this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm very used to doing that, um, in a number of the other areas that I have a look at. Uh, and I thought to myself, in terms of podcasting, people don't need opinion. People need fact. People need, you know, information. And so one of the hardest jobs was actually just to bite my tongue. Uh, and occasionally I don't. I'm going to say that's um, actually the part I like is every now and then you'd be like, he's kind of bullish on this. And I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> so occasionally, occasionally I'm there thinking, yeah, I should probably not talk about that. But, you know, so th th that's been one of the hardest, uh, one of the hardest uh, uh, jobs there, actually. You know, I find myself basically if there is something that I find interesting and and I obviously have a look at what stories people have clicked on to read because it's a link list more than anything else. So I have a look at the stories that people have clicked through to read. I have a, a look at, you know, what is uh, capturing people's, you know, attention. Um, 
But also, to a great degree, I will probably publish anything. It's just where it comes in the newsletter is important. You know, is it a big story or is it a new season of a podcast that, you know, it's fine and it means a lot to the people who are working on it. But actually, in the great scheme of things, it's not quite as large as somebody trying to fiddle their way through the Apple podcast charts. You know, so, um, you know, so I, I, so what I tend to, uh, to uh, do is during the working day, I amass a, a, a bunch of stories. And then just before I'm going to, to uh, send it out, I actually stick those, those, those are stories into some kind of, you know, cogent uh, order. And some of the times the order that I give it probably reflects what I find interesting. You know, the Amy Schumer story for, for for example, a couple of days ago where she's been given a million dollars to produce a podcast. I have no idea who this person is. Uh, and so it came, it came a sort of, you know, the number five or the number six uh, story because I hadn't the faintest idea. But, you know, turns out she's quite big. She's, uh, she's yeah. quite big. And especially in the Spotify demographic, like the Indeed. late yeah. 20s, early 30s, let's all party and get drunk until we black out kind of comedy. That's her yeah, thing. I, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so that's sort of, you know, essentially how I stick it Um together and there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of data on looking you know as i say looking on what people have um have uh, clicked on and well i was i was gonna types, ask you about that what stories what well. what tool are you using to figure that out because i have like right now i'm using feedly i'm definitely going to give out this other one that uh, you're talking about but how are you seeing like what's popular well so it's really what's popular once i've stuck it into into the uh, the newsletter so oh. I mean, obviously, you can see people retweeting stories or right. commenting on stories on Facebook or on Reddit or, you know, in many of the other places that you can actually uh, do that. But quite a lot of it is reactive and going, ah, OK, that so people story. are interested in these sorts of stories. Yeah. Monetization always gets a ton of clicks <laughs> because everybody is, you know, Dave, everybody wants to make money. We want to make money yesterday, though. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and many people are doing podcasting just because they want to make money out of it, um, and they are going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> but, um, but, but you know, you can you can clearly see that you know stories about monetization, stories about making money, or um, or advertising, or branded podcasting gets a high click through uh, as you as you would kind of expect, you know. So um, you know, so that's you know certainly helpful uh, data to work out what stories I should be, you know, sticking in, in the thing. And I think one of the benefits of it being a, a daily newsletter or at least a weekday newsletter, and that's every single day, including, including holidays, because it turns out that Americans have different holidays to Australians who have different holidays to people in the UK. So, you know, it is every single work day, every single weekday. But the interesting thing about that is that um, that means that actually you can, you know, you can put a lot of stories in there because there's a lot of days of the week. You know, it turns out. I realize news is, is time sensitive, but are you batch recording any of these? Um, no. So uh, the closest I get to doing that is when I'm uh, traveling and, you know, and I've got a one and a half hour layover in some airport in the middle of, you know, Tokyo or somewhere. And, you know, and it happens to be eight o'clock in the morning, Australia time. And so I'm doing something, you know, 12 hours ahead of, um, you know, ahead of release. And that's about as close as I get. So um, well, what I've managed to end up doing with the tools that I use particularly making the the newsletter and publishing all of that is to make it as quick and as simple as I possibly can. You copy and paste the text into the, um, uh, into the uh, content management system. It's not really a content management system. Uh, I haven't actually built one yet. Um, but you copy and paste the text into that. You press one button and it goes into the, um, uh, into the emails. You know, the, there's a lot of tools that I built myself to really cut down the the timing that I possibly could in order to actually make sure that if I have to put together an a, uh, issue in half an hour, then I can actually do that. But m most of the time I'm spending rather longer on it. Yeah. So are you using a, like a homemade email list or are you using a constant contact or? So the website itself, podnews.net, it's very good. Go there now. That is all my own code. And then I use a piece of software called Sendy, 
which is really good. It's really cheap, and that uh, interfaces into uh, Amazon, uh, you know, Amazon's AWS stuff. Yeah, and that's a great tool uh, in terms of uh, a good uh, email newsletter service. And I used to use Mailchimp a long, long time ago. And Mailchimp is absolutely fine and is a great service. But my goodness me, it begins to get really quite expensive when you have thousands of people on your list. Sendy is you buy the software once and it's uh, $50, $60 or something, and then that is it, apart from a couple of tiny you know, Amazon charges for actually sending out the emails. I, I've pretty well built everything myself there. You know, I'm very lucky in that I'm, I, has, I sort of have a technical background as well as a background of, of producing content online. So therefore, I was able to actually build the tools that I needed to. And that's been really helpful, actually. And how do you spell Sendy? Is it just S-E-N-D-E or? Uh, S-E-N-D-Y. D-Y, um, there we go. Uh, yeah, and I think the uh, the website itself is at sendy.co. Right. Sendy.co. I'll have to check that out. Most importantly, it has an API. And if it's got an API, that means that you can then program it to end up doing that stuff. So um, so that's you know essentially what I've ended up doing. So I don't use half the features on that software because I'm essentially using their API to get the the newsletter in there, you know, so that's been really helpful. What would you say to the person that kind of wants to take your idea, but become the expert in guitars or something like that? They're going to do the guitar news of the day. Uh, I mean, I think one of the beauties of email, first first and foremost, one of the beauties of email is that you know who is reading. And you know what they're interested in. And that's stuff that you don't get from running a newsletter uh, on, on a website. You know, that, that's if, if you're sitting there and you're producing a blog or you're producing a website which, you know, people come to visit. And yes, you can read pod news in that way. But I've made it deliberately hard. Once, you, once you're having a look at a newsletter, then you can actually see exactly who is looking at it. So I'm able to go, oh, that's interesting that, you know, one of the people I really respect who runs a, you know, a podcasting uh, company in the UK, for example, he found that really interesting. He found those two stories interesting. I'd like to attract more people like him. So the first thing that I would say is a newsletter is a really good thing and sticking it on the web or producing a podcast out of it or all of the other things that you can do with that content once you've produced your newsletter comes second. So a newsletter is definitely the most important thing. And I think really, you know, firstly, it's um, getting involved in the industry that you want to cover, of course. Uh, make sure that you are covering an industry that you yourself are excited by rather than covering an covering an industry just because you think you can make some cash out of it. That's probably a good a good start. I was working for a large national radio station in the UK, and I went to, I think it was the first podcast uh, conference in London um, in uh, May or June of 2005. And I got shouted at because it was big media getting involved in podcasting. And, uh, you know, big media shouldn't be getting involved in podcasting because podcasting is all about the grassroots, man. And uh, gosh, I got shouted at. And it was a very awkward 45 minutes of um, me standing doing a presentation of what the sort of thing that we were doing in terms of podcasting was. And, um, and, and you know, and, and, being, and being shouted at by folks who said that, that I didn't get what podcasting was all about. So I've been involved in podcasting and around podcasting for years and years. So I found it really interesting, actually, being able to completely immerse myself in it and completely understand uh, what podcasting is all about, both from the sides of large broadcasters and from the sides of, you know, passion project people and from those people who are doing it, you know, for a living as you as you are and, and as m many other people are, you know, and I think that's been you know, a really interesting uh, side. So, you know, if you are going to get involved in newsletters or, or you know, news about a certain industry, please be interested in that industry. That's, <laughs> that's usually a good start. Well, I want to ask you a couple of things, just because you do have such a great perspective. You have that global knowledge. What do you think 
like, is radio just wetting their pants right now? Or what's the general consensus in the radio world when they hear the word podcasting? <laughs> well, um, you can look at it two ways. So one way is you can say, uh, and let's have a look in, at the UK, because I happen to know that the figures f- from the UK off the top of my head, 11% of people, so one in 10, listen to podcasts every single week uh, in, the, in the UK. 90% of people, 9 out of 10, listen to the radio every single week. So is radio wetting their pants? No. Uh, radio is perfectly happy, probably a little complacent. Uh, in terms of the amount of people who are still coming to the radio, who are still uh, enjoying what the, the radio stations, you know, stick out and everything else. Are radio stations curious about podcasting? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you will have seen a much vaunted uh, podcasting pavilion at the uh, NAB show in Las Vegas earlier on in the year because uh, there is a general feeling that quite a lot of, pod- uh, quite a lot of broadcasters don't quite understand the world of podcasting, don't understand what benefits it can actually bring them. And so, you know, the NAB thought that it would be a bright thing to, to end up doing to put together great podcasters and great podcasting companies to talk to broadcasters and to help them understand what podcasting is all about. And it seems to me now that there are the haves and the have-nots in this world. The ABC in Australia, for example, the BBC in the UK, WNYC, WBUR, all of those folks understand what podcasting is all about. And they're making stuff predominantly for podcast that they might also broadcast on the air. You then have a look at the, uh, the majority of commercial broadcasters. And being fair, the majority of, uh, of, of uh, broadcasters that produce music shows rather than uh, speech shows, so speech is not their, their uh, speciality, they are looking at podcasts as a way of repurposing their radio stuff. And to an extent that works, but actually they're missing out so much by doing that and not focusing on you know, what they could be doing in terms of podcasts and, you know, what they could be doing just in terms of the great content that they probably have on the air anyway. And, you know, taking a four-hour show and making a four-hour podcast out of that is not going to be the world's most exciting thing. And, you know, if you're a commercial broadcaster, of course, one of the first questions that you ask is, how do I make money out of this? (laughs) And if the answer is not an obvious one, then people won't actually do anything, you know. So you need to understand that that, 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 uh, sort of uh, side as well. What were your thoughts when you, cause you were the person that I, I found out about the people that were paying money to, I think it was like $5,000 to, to go up the charts of, uh, Apple charts. Uh, when you hear yeah. stuff like that, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I mean, I've got, I've got a, a sort of a wider thought around Apple, um, actually, which is that, you know, I mean, yes, uh, there are companies who are now helping you to rise to the top of the Apple podcast charts because the Apple podcast charts, as we know, aren't charts. Um, They are trending lists of uh, new subscribers to a podcast. That's all they are. And so some of these companies think, well, you know, it's important um, for a new podcast to be at the top of the chart. So what are we going to do there? And they are charging, I mean, it's $15,000 if you want to stay in the top 10 of the iTunes chart. It's 15,000 US dollars a month, which is a really good way from my point of view of, uh, of Apple looking at your podcast and then banning it from iTunes <laughs> because you've been gaming the system. That's yeah. an expensive way of, banning, uh, of getting your, your podcast banned. So I wouldn't necessarily do that. But I think, you know, the wider thing is, uh, why do we care so much about the Apple podcast charts when um, throughout the world, 80% of people have Android phones, not Apple phones. Even when you have a look at Apple, yes, the Apple Podcasts uh, app is an important app, but there are lots of other important apps as well. You know, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Castro, all of these types of services that don't use any of those lists. You know, why are we so keen just to focus on Apple? And also, isn't it a little bit, isn't it a little bit risky? to be putting all of our eggs in the Apple basket. And, you know, for those who don't know, if you, if you are using any other podcast app with a couple of, only a couple of exceptions, any other podcast app is using Apple's iTunes um, uh, information as well. 
So it, it, this all seems a little bit risky to me. And I think, you know, Marco Arment, um, who I disagree with on many things, uh, he was saying uh, when it comes to uh, Overcast, which is his app, he was saying, you know, it is really important that Overcast exists and that Castro exists and that other apps exist because otherwise we're just turning podcasting into something which is only, you know, in one place and only one company is actually looking after it. And that's a bit of a worry. You know, I mean, I think Dan Meisner from Pacific Content was right yesterday when he was saying we should be focusing on not on people who are using Apple and are consuming podcasts already. We should be focusing on the people who aren't consuming podcasts because that's the low hanging fruit that we can actually, you know, really make uh, great uh, benefit out of if we're getting more people overall to listen to podcasts. And I think that's a great point. Yeah, I can take somebody who listens to podcast B and move them to podcast A, but the actual overall listener has not. We've just, we've got them to change the channel. Completely agree. I mean, there was a there was a piece of research uh, done in the US from um, and they were asking radio listeners, so radio superfans, mm-hmm. and they were asking them, you know, why don't you listen to podcasts? And twenty percent said, well, we don't really understand how podcasts work, but sixty four percent said we don't understand why we'd want to. And we seem to, I think, in the podcast world, focus on the 20% because it's really easy for us to show somebody, look, there's the app. This is how you subscribe, if that's really the language that we should be using. You know, this is how you find a new podcast, blah, blah, blah. And what we're not doing is we're not focusing on the 64% of people that have no idea why they should be bothered with this in the first place. That's the important thing. And I think once we once we promote the wonderful things that you can get as a podcast rather than talk about apps and RSS feeds and subscriptions and all of that kind of stuff. Um, then we will really, really grow. Uh, many moons ago, I worked for a copier company and I had a very old wise head of the company that was in sales and he used to call it the fab approach features, advantages, and benefits. And he goes, Mm. and I would go in and I would talk about, microtoner and, and all this other, the techie parts. Cause I was the technician. Mm, microtoner. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. The customers are like, Ooh, <laughs> sign me up for some microtoner. But if I walked in and said, this will make copies twice as fast and they'll be double-sided and you'll save money because you won't be using as much paper and it doesn't jam as much and blah, blah, blah. He goes, you sell the benefits. That's the sizzle. He yeah. goes, yeah. he goes, this feature stuff. He goes, I'm, I'm proud that you know all that stuff, but nobody's going to buy that. You got to sell the benefits. And I'm with you on that. I think if people knew, oh, you can, you can find shows on pygmy pig racing and chameleon breeding and, you know, all these other yeah. super niche things that. You know, I used to write radio ads a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And the way, that, the way that you would write a good radio ad is you would go into the client and you would say, what problem are you fixing for your customers? And if they were unable to actually talk about the problems that their customers had, then that was really hard. You know, I mean, I ended up walking into a waterbed store and I said, you know, why should people come and, and, and buy a waterbed from your store? And he said, because, because you can get a waterbed for 1,200 pounds. And I said, I have no idea how much a waterbed is. Is that a good price or is that not, not a good price? And he looked at me as if I had just landed from a different planet. <laughs> and I then said, why would I want a waterbed anyway? And this whole concept of, of, you know, what the benefit of the product is, is something which is actually, um, you know, as you, as you so rightly say, not something which is weirdly top of mind when we're talking to people. And I think, you know, just focusing on there was a, a little sort of conference that I went to last week. And one of the people from the ABC in Australia actually was standing there saying, if you have an idea of maybe you might have an idea of a podcast where it's for people who go bird spotting and it's for also for people who like beer. So why don't you call it beer and birds? You know, and, and wouldn't this be a nice idea for, for a, um, you know, for a new podcast? And I looked on iTunes and there are nine podcasts 
which have some resemblance to both drinking beer and also bird spotting or nature. And I just thought to myself, how random is that, that literally anything that you are interested in, literally anything that you are interested in, there is a podcast already there for you. How exciting is that? More podcasts have been made now than movies. You know, that, 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 that's a tremendous, that's a tremendous number. I just realized something else. I realized where I found you. I found you on Amazon as a, um, uh, what do you call oh, it? Oh, as a daily, a daily, a daily briefing. briefing. Yeah, that's actually yeah. where I found you. And then that went into other things. Do you know what percentage? Are you getting a fair amount of play on your daily briefing? Yeah, daily briefing is a massive, massive thing. And I will tell you exactly how much uh, I'm I'm getting from memory because I can't instantly find it. But from memory, I found that um, we were getting somewhere in the region of 24%, I think, of all of all uh, oh, our, our traffic, yeah, yeah uh, of all of the uh, d- downloads. Now, um, yeah, 20, 23% it was when I last had a look, and that was in March. So 50% came from Apple Podcasts, 23% came from Amazon Alexa, and then the next biggest was Overcast at 11%. And, uh, you know, I think that that daily briefing is a really interesting thing. The podcast that I make for technical reasons is always less than uh, than uh, two minutes. Thank you, Google, for uh, telling me that I couldn't have more than uh, two minutes in a skill. But actually, that's been really helpful because that means that the podcast is super concise, super quick. And, you know, d- d- daily briefings really drive an awful lot of um, of uh, of uh, traffic, but nobody is going to have, you know, a podcast of an hour and a half in their d- daily briefing list. That just simply isn't going to work. Yeah, there, so, you know, if you've got a really short podcast, then great, go for it. Yeah, there are people that are doing that, and it's really annoying because I'll like, oh, cool, and then I'll add it, and what happens is it'll come on, and like, and I'll say what's your name, and I'll go skip, meaning go to the next thing yeah. in my briefing, and it goes to their next episode, and I'm like, oh, somebody doesn't know what a daily briefing is. Did you say it's yes. a? Is there a two minute limit to the briefing, or no? It's well, so Google Google Home. If you run a, and they don't call them skills, they call them actions or something. But if you run a voice action on Google Home, then there was a, a limit, and I think they may now have relaxed this, but there was a limit of of only having two minutes worth of, um, of uh, audio in there. And one of the reasons why I have a, um, a voice action on Google Home is that if you call yourself something that doesn't exist in the English language, pod news, then um, Google has no idea what you've just said. And so you say, <laughs> hey, Google, listen to pod news. And it goes, okay, playing you the last episode of hot news. No, I'm not interested in hot news. I'm interested in pod news. And so I ended up having to make myself a specific, um, <laughs> it's now it's now talking to me right. in the background, which is helpful. Uh, so I ended up m- m- making m- m- myself a specific uh, audio skill, uh, which is, okay, Google, ask pod news for the latest. And that will then uh, read you the latest headline and ask if you want to hear the whole thing. But actually, that that was a really helpful piece of um, uh, uh, thing because what that essentially made me do is it made me keep my podcast down to under two minutes, which has actually made it a specifically really concise, you know, piece of audio that um, you know that hopefully people will um, will uh, end up enjoying. And uh, I, I mean, there's a quote. I think it's from Roman Mars, and it's a quote, and he says, um, "If you have a hundred thousand people." enjoying your podcast and you edit one useless minute out of your podcast, you have just saved 100,000 minutes and you are practically nice. a hero. <laughs> Amen, brother. And I love that. Yeah, I love that. I keep on being asked, what's the optimum length of a podcast? <sighs> and my answer is always the same. A podcast is as long as it needs to be, but no longer. That's it. I don't need <laughs> to know, hear edit. about your, your French toast yeah. recipe. Thank you, but exactly. no thank you. Exactly. Edit, edit as much as you possibly can out of it. And, you know, Helen Zaltzman says much the same. And, uh, yeah, it's great, great advice. Do, do you want to voice any, do you have any favorite podcasts that you listen to? I was asked this yesterday by BBC Radio Scotland. And, great, they said, great. Um, and they said, you know, please uh, come with your top three favorite podcasts, f- 
for the interview. And of course, they never bothered asking me. Um, <laughs> but, my, but my top three, uh, I listen to obviously a lot of industry podcasts and the feed by Libsyn. Um, my top three are Death in Ice Valley, which is a true crime podcast uh, by the BBC and the Norwegian NRK. Uh, it's really nicely well done. And I'm really enjoying it so far. No spoilers, please. Hamish and Andy are two uh, really big. Uh, they used to be really big Australian radio uh, radio jocks. Um, they're now just purely on a podcast. Um, they do this tremendously good interactive uh, podcast, if you can imagine such a thing. Uh, it's a really enjoyable listen. And the third podcast that that I, I really enjoy, you know, podcasting is great for ideas. Ed Miliband used to be the leader of the opposition here in, uh, um, I was going to say here in the UK, I'm in Australia, but over in the UK, Ed Miliband used to be the leader of the opposition. So he was essentially the opposite to the prime minister at the time. He's a very intelligent um, uh, guy. And he now does a podcast called Reasons to be Cheerful that he does with um, an old radio presenter called uh, Jeff Lloyd. Um, old radio presenter, meaning he's been a radio presenter for a long time, not that he's old. Um, and it has loads of interesting ideas about everything from, you know, whether a basic minimum wage is a good idea to um, what policies should be on housing and public transport. There are comedians in there. There are real experts in there. It's a great listen. So, um, you know, and I think it's one of the things that podcasting is really good at. You would never get that on the radio here. Uh, you would never get that on, you know, anything other than a podcast where you can reach people who are really interested in those particular areas. So um, reasons to be cheerful um, uh, would be one of my top three. Well, James Crenlin, you can find him at uh, media.info. I love podnews.net. Find that. Yes, podnews.net is the one to go to, podnews.net. And if you're interested in the whole radio stuff that I've been talking uh, about, then um, you can get a newsletter, uh, which is a weekly one there as well, which is available at james.crid.land. There you go. James.crid.land. James, thank you for coming on the show, buddy. Thank you so much, Dave. And there you have it. James Cridlin, find him at podnews.net. couple great things from that interview. Number one, consistency always wins out. I thought that was a great quote. And if you're thinking of doing a podcast, how do you become the expert? You immerse yourself in your topic. I've talked about this. You need to leave. You need to uh, eat, drink, sleep, bathe in your niche. And that's exactly what he did. Cause after all, if you're going to be reporting about it, you might want to, I don't know, know something about it, I guess. And he also mentioned there, and I've mentioned this on the show, if you're getting into podcasting to make money quickly, you're going to be disappointed. I've got links to the tools he mentioned out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 621. I'm actually looking at Sendly. That's kind of interesting. And uh, the RSS reader as well. Just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 621. Since James kind of started off as a newsletter guy, expanded into podcasting, of course, he had his radio background. I know some of you might be saying, but wait, um, it's 2018. Isn't email dead? And according to some studies, email at times is four times more effective at reaching your audience than Facebook. And if you're looking for outreach, that may be social, but in terms of actually boosting sales, things like that, or getting your audience to click on something, email appears to be the king. Now, an article that just came out literally like three days ago explains how 58% of people click their email, or I'm sorry, check their email first in the morning versus 11% for Facebook and 2% for Twitter. 2.6 billion people have email versus 1.7 billion people have Facebook. And it turns out they say that 77% of consumers prefer email over social media for permission-based promotional messages. Now, the only problem I have with this article, and I was like, oh, this is such good information. What's the bad news? It's from Optin Monster. Remember, I always say, consider the source. Check your source. Now, that doesn't mean they're lying, but this is a company that helps you get email signups. So, of course, they're going to kind of say, oh, email is the king. Don't keep doing email because if everybody quit doing email, their business would go in the toilet. But that's an interesting thing. So 
let's say you want to develop an email list. Now I like my email list. I've, I've used it in the past for polls. I've used it to run specials at the school of podcasting. I love it because I can contact the people on the list without creating a podcast. It's just another way to contact people. And I realized that people that are on that newsletter are probably people that are diehard listeners and people that want to know everything about podcasting. So how do you get people on your email list? Well, you'll hear the phrase lead magnet and the best lead magnet typically comes from your audience. It's a question that somebody asks, and it's probably a really good question. So it's a problem that you can help them solve. It's something that would lessen their stress or save them time or help them reach a goal. So here's some ideas for lead magnets. You could do a poll and then have the results be the thing that people get. You could review services. Uh, I'm actually thinking of making one of those for my weekly web tool show, where it's just like, here are my top favorite plugins, uh, because I've got hundreds of episodes over there, put them all together, and now I can get them on my email list. Uh, Any kind of question and answer, you know, frequently asked questions, eBooks, webinars. If you've participated in in a webinar, you can say, hey, if you missed it, you can see the replay. You've just got to give me your email address. Uh, mini courses. I have one of those. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash baby steps, that will put you into a mini course. Uh, checklists. So it could be, hey, if uh, here if I'm a musician, here is a checklist that you should be using before every gig. Something like that. Spreadsheets. Now, some people really, really hate spreadsheets. And if you're a person like me that doesn't, you might be able to make a spreadsheet. I'll give you an example of this. I make uh, $30 a month, probably. I have a spreadsheet that people can use to track their weight loss. You could make this spreadsheet, if you knew how, in about five minutes. But people would rather pay me $10 for a spreadsheet that they can make in five minutes, and I'll take it. It's easy money. Uh, Toolkit. So if you're a person that is using certain tools for your niche, Here's what I'm using to do what I do. Half the reason I had James, well, not half, but I I really was dying to hear the tools that James used to do his show. Uh, Planners, any kind of like, hey, in our industry, here's the things you should be planning for. Or a guide. Here's the guide to blah, blah, blah. And you don't even need special software for this. You could use Google Docs and then save that Google Doc as a PDF. Now, this is the question that I really can't answer. And that is, well, what email service should you use? Well, I've, I've used and still use MailChimp. It's free. And if you are in a super niche and you're never going to get huge and you don't send a lot of emails, you could probably keep using it for free for a very, very long time. I was on AWeber for years and got bright, shiny new syndrome. Heard Pat Flynn talking about ConvertKit. And here's the thing. So I switched from, I was on, literally, I was on AWeber for probably 10 years because all I needed to do was email people, a couple autoresponders, nothing crazy. And I switched to ConvertKit. But here's the really sad story. I had downloaded all my email list as a zip file, and then you could easily upload them into ConvertKit. And so I'm downloading them and I upload the first one, upload a second one. Haven't downloaded the School of Podcasting yet, though. And, uh, okay, everything's working great. I download the School of Podcasting file as a zip file, go over to, to uh, AWeber and I go, hey, I'm closing my account. And they're like, hey, if you close your account, we're deleting everything. Are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yep, I'm done. Everything's great. Okay, well, we're going to whack you now. And I'm like, go ahead, whack me all you want. And I leave them and I go to unzip my School of Podcasting email list that had a couple thousand people on it. and my zip file says, this file is corrupt. And I was like, no, no, no. no." Yeah. So I lost thousands of emails. That's why I have now maybe a couple hundred on my email list. I don't promote it a whole lot. But if you are moving, don't kill the first one until you are successfully migrated to the second one. There's a little lesson from uh, the school of uh, hard knocks, I guess. Currently, I'm on ConvertKit. I don't mind ConvertKit. It's actually pretty cool. It's got some great features. Realize the more fancy your email tool is, the more time you need to invest in really getting the most out of it. And I, right now I have bright, shiny, 
bright, new, bright, shiny syndrome, whatever we want to call that with active campaign. I've heard a lot of really great things about active campaign. And that's just one of those things that I'm not going to move there until I can set apart some time to really take advantage of it. Cause there are really cool things in convert kit. You can do landing pages and things like that. If you go to a school of podcasting.com slash headlines, headlines are an easy way to increase your downloads. Just write better headlines for your titles, things like that. It can, I've seen people literally triple their downloads with better headlines. And I've got a PDF. If you go to school of podcasting.com slash headlines, well, that's a landing page I made with convert kit. And so I like convert kit for that feature and it's just one of those things in the end, you know, just start with something simple. Or if you choose one of these like convert kit or active campaign, just realize that you want to set apart some time so you can really understand all the potential that's there and then use it so that it fits your audience. So that's just a couple of things today on email and jumping into someplace that Again, if you're thinking, well, I was going to start a podcast, but somebody else is doing it. We heard where where James jumped in, just went up to his neck in his niche, in this case, podcasting, taking his current experience of being a radio guru, a, a guy that's basically helping shape radio and applied it to podcasting and said, you know, the one thing that's missing here is kind of a global look. And it's awesome. Uh, Daniel J. Lewis, a friend of mine, said he started the audacity to podcast. Why? Because there were people like myself, there were people like Cliff Ravenscraft uh, doing podcasts about podcasting, but Daniel's like, hey, you're, you're still not talking about what I want to hear. And so he started that show. And uh, Daniel is fine, by the way. People ask me all the time. Daniel does not have cancer. People keep asking me if he's dying. No, he's working on some things. He'll be back soon. But uh, please know he's, he's, nobody's dead, nobody's dying, things like that. He's just working on some personal stuff. And, uh, but that's how he started that show because people weren't saying what he wanted to say. So if you want to start a podcast and learn from a hall of fame podcaster, <laughs> uh, uh, I would love to help you simply go out to school of slash work with me at school of work with me. And I can do everything from a podcast review I can help you troubleshoot things if your website's gone wacky, if you want to join the School of Podcasting, if you want to join a three-month or a six-month mentorship, we can do that. It's all in one place, schoolofpodcasting.com slash work with me. Thank you so much for listening. I do deeply appreciate that. And in the future, I know I already mentioned that I'll be reviewing a new Heil microphone. That is coming up in the future. And I'm also going to be talking about, I believe this will be next week, the importance of knowing your why because man do i have a story to talk about that today i'm talking with james cridlin from pod two's not ah, simply go to uh, uh see i'm doing it I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Eric K. Johnson. I'm doing multiple calls to action. Hard not to, isn't it?